Hello, everybody. Welcome to World 1-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, to my right, I have the one, the only, Big Papa himself, Mr. Larry Giver. Actually, geographically, I think I might be to your left. You might be right. <laughs> Maybe it depends on which way you look at the map. Uh. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay, <laughs> side side story. <laughs> so, my friend, uh, he has family in Wisconsin, and I keep saying, "Oh, you're going down to Wisconsin." Trying to use it as slang, and he gets upset with me, and be like, "I am going up." I'm like, "But I was just using it as slang. You don't use it as slang. I'm going up to Wisconsin." I was just like. Okay, and I keep saying, "Oh, you're going down to Wisconsin. You're going down," and he gets mad and mad. He's like, "I'm gonna cut you one day." <laughs> and one day he pulled out his knife on me, and I was just like, "I need to pick up my princess dress and hit the button B and run away real fast." I'm about to do this straight Super Mario Brothers two style <laughs> and go <laughs> and just float. So now, since I've been corrected by being somewhat um. Not threatened, but shown, <laughs> shown the promise of his words. Um, I now say I'm going up to Wisconsin. So. He pulls out the knife and says, "Motherfucker, I'm gonna cut you so bad. You gonna wish I didn't cut you so bad." <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well. It's funny because uh, you just said that. I was at work and I was put uh cleaning up these games in the cases and I kinda was all the way down. And my friend started doing uh a meme away, a meme away. He said, In the jungle, the mighty jungle, a stabbing will occur tonight and he just and the way that he did it with his knife out, I was I fell over and started laughing because he went to the Lion King. I got up and it was about to, and I almost told my manager, "I'm going home for the rest of the day because I'm sick. I cannot take this. I cannot take this person right now." So, but <laughs> it is one. Of, it's a kind of an inside joke. But we are talking about video games. <laughs> Sorry for the side story. No, like we're talking about geography and stabbings <laughs> pretty much yes um for, no topic. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get now. <laughs> exactly um, we're gonna go get into our indie watch and mr larry giver is going to tell us about axiom verge i feel like this segment needs its own little sound effect intro like we we need a you know one of those uh right there you go. Cut that and save that. We'll reuse that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get some editing software and we'll do it. <laughs> so Axiom Verge, already out on a couple of platforms at this point. Um, I'm just busy creaming myself because it's finally going to be showing up on the Wii U. Or frankly, it, it should have been from the get-go, as I feel most Metroidvanias should. Because for God's sakes... How many of us are buying Nintendo platforms, you know, in the hopes that we get a Metroid game for it? And, you know, they, they've all, indie-wise, they've all fucked off to every other platform except for the one where it originated from, which annoys me to no end. But in any case, we're, we're looking at a, a phenomenal uh, future set style, you know, Metroidvania game where the, the crux of the, the, the really nifty catcher hook is that you have the ability to intentionally glitch the game as a superpower. So, yeah. coming to Wii U, 
finally just dropped on the uh, PS Vita as well. So that's that's on the horizon finally for those of us who like to get our Metroid fix where it actually you know came from. You know, never mind the other handful of Metroidvanias out there that have never come to the the, the mother console where it should be. Things like um, Shadow Complex and uh, Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet as well, which frankly I think was painfully underrated, but that's just me. I've never heard of that title. Shadow Complex I know about, and I actually need to buy it on Xbox One. They said it's really good. I, I'm really interested in trying it out. But the if other game got- I didn't hear. If you've got a PC rig that'll run it, um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but I know when they re, uh, when they released the the HD remaster of it uh-huh. um, on PC, they were giving that shit away. That was a fucking freebie. You could download the whole game, no charge. Oh, that's nice. I don't know if that offer is still up, but you might want to check and see if it's out there. Yeah. So. I, yeah, it's been a while since I played. Uh, Really good Metroid game. And I have uh, to let everybody know, I do have Axiom Virtual on my PlayStation 4, but I need to work a little bit more on it. So I, I've not touched the game yet, um, you know, and I, I'm furthermore not going to now that I know it's coming to a, a platform of my choice. So I'm, I've been sitting on my hands and, you know, patiently waiting for an opportunity to get my mitts on it. And it's now come in a form that I don't have to borrow a system from somebody else to play the damn thing. Exactly. So this makes me a very happy clam. And I'm definitely going to double dip and buy it on Wii U. Because I feel like I need to also do that for Guac- uh, Guacamole. Um, I have it on PS3, but I think I want to play the Championship Edition on Wii U. Um, right on. Yeah, th- that game is so good. I love Guacamole. Had you tried it? I've dabbled with it, but I haven't gone real far with it. So okay, well, it's but not I, it's not too much love for long game. Like four or five hours you could put in, or six hours you could put I, into it. I will say I was very sad when I booted it up, and I was really looking forward to you know a, a game about avocados getting into a fist fight. <laughs> that's that's really what a guacamole is, isn't it? Yeah, pretty, yeah. It really is. I did not think about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Thank you. Um, April 19th for the Vita version, for those who are interested. Um, I'm still trying to get a response from Adrian, uh, who wasn't able to be on the show today. Uh, unfortunately, he had to work on his game, Tuna Cycle, by the Frozen Machine. So, um, we're wishing him the best. Uh, hopefully, he will be on next episode. And our West Coast correspondent, Mr. Tony, is on an assignment. Um, hopefully, we'll hear from him later on or sometime next week. Uh, so, you guys, uh, we'll get back to you about that. Uh, uh, He's but... on assignment dancing with children, which is <laughs> creepy in its own right. Well, you know, <laughs> well... He's on assignment desk with children, but he wants to know. He's probably seeing like, do they know regular dancing compared to DDR dancing? Well, if if he's met, if they're kids that he's mentoring, they're probably all the the inner urban street children. So it's all hip hop and break dancing, and uh, you know they they just go to to dance classes and look at the other students and go, oh, it's already been brought. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bring It On. I love that movie, Bring It You've On. You've been served. 
Oh, I do you know what? When I watched You Got Served, I kind of was not like, like, oh, this is good or this is bad. I was just like, man, it did, it really did do nothing for me. Now, Honey, for some unknown reason, I love, I love Honey. But we're going to get into our topic for the show. Um, graphics. We're going to talk about video games eventually, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, today's topic we're doing uh, graphics versus gameplay. Uh, a big issue uh, to some people, they care more about graphics than the gameplay, and there's people who care more about the gameplay um, instead of the graphics. So I ask you, Larry. Um, is graphics important? It depends. That's the thing. It really depends on what you're trying to do with your game and how you're trying to hook me. Um, do I like a real pretty game? Absolutely. Um, art style, I think, to me, is more important in terms of visuals than how many fucking polygons or pixels you cram into the screen all at once. Art style means so much more in terms of what you're doing with your game and the story that you're telling. You know, get a good, compelling art style that matches the the, the aesthetic that you're you're trying to convey with your, your story and your gameplay mechanic and what you want me to fucking feel, and I'm a much happier clam. You know, uh, Wind Waker had great graphics, but it, that had more to do with the fact that the... The art style that they chose, the cell shading, you know, looked great then, and it still looks great now yes. because you're not pushing for that hyper-realism. You know, anything that pushes for that, that ridiculous realism in five, ten years, no matter how great it looked when it came out, you know, then, is just not going to fucking stack up, you know, five, ten years down the road compared to whatever the hell else is coming out at that time. Right, and I think, like, with Nintendo... I was thinking about this uh, a couple of days ago. It's just like when it comes to art styles, Nintendo is kind of the only one that's now doing different stuff. And they kind of do it in an excellent way. Like they really push themselves to bring you a quality in the art styles. Because you, you would see their trailers or look at a Nintendo wreck and be like, oh, my goodness, this looks gorgeous. Oh, my. Just like. You know, and, and I'm not talking about frame rate or anything like that. I'm just looking at the graphics, just be like, man, stuff is popping. Stuff just, it just interests me because I'm a person who loves art. I love different art styles. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I got kind of got to give it up to Seiko doing the cell, the cell shading style. Um, and uh, what was the action game with that night? Uh, it looked like a cartoon Um like from the 80s and I cannot think of it. You have to press different oh, buses. Oh, uh, Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer, yeah. I remember seeing that in the arcade and just like, wow, they're doing almost like movie quality. Um, well, part of a, that, a, too, is because of the medium that they were using that nobody else had done at the time. Yes. Inside that arcade cabinet was a fucking laser disc. Yes. And I and me as a kid, I I didn't even realize that. But I seen it, and when I seen it on the big screen, I'm just like, "This looks beautiful." I'm like, "I've never seen anything like this." Oh yeah, well, compared to every you know every other machine in the arcade, it looked amazing. We had never seen anything like it at the time. So, and really to this day, we still don't see anything like that in the arcades. You know, a right. because where where the fuck did you find an arcade? And we must go now, but. 
you know, B, comparatively, nobody else is really doing that, that hand-drawn art style, you know, for anything arcade-ish anymore either. So... Besides uh, the people who are making Cuphead, like, you know, and that's that's another art style that hasn't never been, that really hasn't been touched in video games. And, like, it was supposed to be out in March, and it didn't. I think they pushed it back. Um, I, I, I just haven't heard anything else from them, and I'm waiting to hear more from them because I really do want to play Cuphead. It looks beautiful taking that old oh, Mickey Mouse oh, yeah. style uh, games. Um, definitely back uh, back in the 90s, kind of the early 2000s, me seeing Killer Instinct, I was wowed by the graphics, and seeing Mortal Kombat 2 um, over Mortal Kombat 1, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is so good. See, I really don't think I. It was maybe it's just me, but I don't think that aside from content wise, that there was a huge jump in anything from Mortal Kombat one to two, or two to three, or one to three, or any, you know, any of the ones that were there in the sixteen bit era. Uh-huh. Visually, to me, all looked exactly the fucking same. The only difference was they kept adding more content. Yeah, um, but I think when I see Mortal Kombat two, I think they were able to um, make the graphics more cleaner. Um, and I, I just feel like they did more. De- don't don't forget, this is a kid during the 16-bit days, so you will yeah. completely be wow. Like if you see Night Trap now, Night Trap looks horrible. I mean, it looked horrible back in the Sega CD era. That's because but, Night Trap was fucking horrible. Well, yeah, but you know, it, it was something like snap. They got Admiral Akbar to do the commercial for that. It's a Night Trap. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that that game. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't get this Sega. Well, I'm, I'm kind of mad and I'm kind of happy that I didn't have the Sega CD. I'm mad at the fact I didn't have it because I wanted to play Snatcher, uh, but I'm not mad uh, that I don't that I didn't get it because that would have been like the only game I played for that system. Oh hell no, dude! Sonic CD was the tits. I played Sonic CD in this garbage. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic CD was awesome. You shut it's, your dirty whore mouth. I I. Tr- <laughs> <laughs> okay, if anyone who hasn't listened to Retro Force Go, check it out. It's the Game of the Year list mania, and Tuffer Cantler, who am I? I'm a friend with on uh, Twitter. Uh, he gives one of his uh discuss uh give one of his lists, and he gives. Um, let everybody know some things. And he said, shut your whore mouth. That became one of my most favorite, favorite ways to tell somebody to shut the hell up, too. <laughs> Ever since that, all those years ago. <laughs> oh, dear God. Especially when my wife was pregnant. Uh, you know, as, as big as she got, we had friends like, you sure it's not twins? Immediately, so you shut your dirty fucking whore mouth. <laughs> and I would have been like, wait, what? Wh- huh? <laughs> like, Wow. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that one again because I love when Colette. We're going to get back into the show <laughs> to the topic because we can spend time talking about Retro Force Go. Here somewhere. We'll find it, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I I think personally, I did, and I didn't get a chance to answer it, I think graphics are important. Um, just like you, Just like what you said, Larry, it helps tell the story in the game. I mean, it's something to marvel at. It's something to... Um, really experienced with, and with this just being a 
with the video game industry being so huge of, of a media, um, your art will make will make people more attracted to your game and make them want to play. Um, that's why I'm always hooked on seeing what Nintendo has and what art style they're going to use. Um, like, uh, what's going to pop and stuff. Definitely for indie developers who really put time and effort into their game, who, um, like, besides the music and gameplay, which we'll talk a little bit later, um, when they put in their graphics, you kind of feel like, wow, even though you're a small team, this is kind of better than some AAA games. Uh, let me ask you this huh? when it when it comes to graphics do you roll art style or art direction in with the the graphics discussion or do you separate them out like do you look at how cleanly and how polished the visuals are separate from the art direction or do you lump those two things together i lump those two things together because um the art style and art direction um i think for you to have a style you need some direction on where you really want to go and what you could do. Uh, like how you're going to do the effects, uh, what colors you're going to use and how they all like mold together. I like, I, I put them together. Um, the, the graphics, like what I do, what I do do is like, I separate gra- um, uh, the art style and direction versus frame rate. Because you can have a beautiful art style. It could be going a great way. But if the frame rate jacks up the art style, it makes it look it makes it makes the motion of the art look terrible. I I I I, I start judging it real bad. Um that's kind of the problem that I had with Grand Theft Auto Five is that it ha- it has a beautiful art style, that's fine. But the direct but Sometimes the frame rate in that game is terrible, and I'm just like I cannot do this. Now I will I will say when the coloring is mode is like to make the enemies look almost like the background, and you can't really see like pay attention because of the reticle being small, like which is a gameplay thing. I think that I find start finding that problematic. I like I said I I will separate the the two as an issue. Mm-hmm. For me, art direction is separate from graphics. Graphics is how well it pulls together in motion, how well you execute your art style. But the the art direction for me is something separate, you know. And I, I really think too that an intelligent developer will pick an art style that helps them mask some of. Uh, their their restrictions in terms of uh, horsepower with what they're working you know what they're working on Uh um you know and in doing so you end up with some really really clever shit as a result too um case in point things like uh killer seven um you know wind waker uh all you know all those wonderfully well cell shaded games um no more heroes two no more heroes two um uh not not exactly cell shaded per se but uh, Mad World was another one too. Yes, that, really good game. Uh, that was fucking awesome. Um, but you know, even outside of the cell shading, you know, Retro Studios did an amazing job using just a spectacular art direction to kind of mask some of the limitations of the uh, GameCube comparatively against uh, you know what what was going on on the other systems. Right. And even especially when they got into corruption. You know, there there was a lot of uh, using that art 
art direction to bury the uh, the deficiency hardware wise of the Wii compared to the 360 and the PS3. Yes, and and I, I gotta say, even if if you play Metroid Prime, which I still think is beautiful, I I was wowed by how much effort and effect they put into the art style. Like when they put the rain on Samus' helmet. And it looks like water. That it looks completely like rain. That's that's time well spent in in the art style and art direction that they chose. Like that that effort that they put in. Wow, I, I'm I'm still amazed. That that stuff alone just sold me on the game. Of course, it was a, it was Metroid already, and I played the demo. Um, I paid for it. Uh, I think I told you that. I think mm-hmm. I said it on, okay, yeah. If anyone hasn't known, um, I played the demo of Metroid Prime um, at Sam Goody, and when I got finished with the uh, with the demo, I went to the counter and paid for the whole game with no release date or anything, and all I had to do was just go up there and pick it up. Actually, uh, speaking of demos and releases, I actually got to uh, finish, play straight through Metroid Prime 3 before it actually hit the store shelves. <gasps> From the comfort of my own couch. Yes. Uh, our Nintendo rep loved me. <laughs> oh wow! She was bringing around. Uh, she was going to all the stores, and she was bringing around, you know, our our uh, kiosk discs, and uh, brought in Metroid Prime Three about a week ahead. And it wasn't just a, a short demo; it was full game disc. She's like, you know what? Take this home, enjoy it. Just bring it back when you're done. And it was a week before the game hit the shelf, so I took it home and I blasted straight through that shit. Can I tell you that was the first game I bought for my Wii when it came out? <laughs> I, I got some money for Christmas and I bought I, I, I found the Wii happily at Target, and I'm like, oh yes, what's the first game I'm going to get? Give me the Metroid Prime Three. There was no, there was nothing that was stopping me from playing that game, and I spent <clears throat> I spent like two weeks playing that whole game. Searching for everything, just oh, like yeah. like even even with Metroid Other M, um, which is a different art style. Because if you look at Metroid, if you look at Metroid Prime Three Corruption versus Other M, you could tell the different styles. You could in the in the graphics, Metroid Prime Three is Retro Studios, Other M is Tecmo. You could see like fr- frame rate, art direction. Um, oh. Not other, only that, oh, I was going to say, Other M really falls more in line with that that comic book style that you got from Fusion and Zero Mission, too. Yes. That bright, simple color pop, as opposed to any sort of uh, real realism to it, or uh, attempted realism, essentially. You know, it, it wasn't about, you know, pushing uh, resolutions and all that. It was more about striking visual color pop in simplicity. Yeah, and and I think that's what um, it, which is weird is just like when these other companies work with Nintendo and they work on the design or graph and you know graphics too is definitely important with Nintendo and there's other philosophies. You could see the, the art direction that works well for that game and how they help the developers be able to uh, produce that and make it look good in their game, like Hyrule Warriors. For Wii U, people laughed at it and be like, I wouldn't play this, which, we'll, like I said, we'll get to gameplay thing. But the art style in there is kind of nice in Hyrule Warriors. Like, mm-hmm. from, from Tecmo to almost execute what a Zelda game looks like, 
just amazes me. Like, really amazes me. You know, well, but we're going to move on. Um, do you think players are impressed with the art style of a game by looking at pictures of it? Or, and um, does it further a sale when it's in motion? And we probably kind of answered it a little bit. Um, I think uh, definitely, one second. Oh, go ahead. So I, I would say that, uh, first of all, who the hell is looking at screenshots anymore? Seriously, we have enough streaming broadband capability that who the fuck is looking at screenshots of a game anymore? We were getting trailers and gameplay snippets, you know, from every game coming, you know, just poured out by the, the bucket full. Right. So at this point, you know, we're looking at everything in motion. You know, it, it allows you to better take in the, the scope and the sense of things than stills ever did. And on top of that, too, you know, a an at least honest developer or publisher is going to show you real in-game running so that you can see how it looks, see how smooth it does or does not run, and see how everything works together in motion. Because anybody can get a great fucking still and send it out to the press go, look how great our game looks. And that, you know, that's kind of what we had to go on back in the uh, in the in the game magazine days. Right. Now, you know, those are gone and everything's gone digital and online to websites where we can, you know, host videos and embed them into pages and just go here's a trailer here's some gameplay see how it looks in motion it's a way better way to gauge what we're you know what we're looking to get into and if it's worth our our hard-earned dollars right and and i kind of like it where um definitely like definitely with nintendo um when they do their nintendo direct and they introduce a new game They'll they'll actually show something early, not the full game that they're um, like it's not finished and stuff, and people can make a judgment over there. But like when they actually get furthermore to a new direct, like later on in the year or even next year, and uh, you look at the game, you'd be like, "Wow, this game came a long way!" And man, the graphics are amazing. Um, Final Fantasy Fifteen just had. Uh, they did uncover Final Fantasy Team. They did a conference, and the trailer that they kept showing, um, it looks beautiful. The game looks gorgeous, and I still got to play the demo. Uh, but I don't know if there's going to be other parts to the game that's just going to be drop-dead gorgeous to it. I'm impressed by seeing the artwork and everything in motion, but there's nothing that's making me say, wow, looking at the still of this is, like, beautiful. It's just, it's a bunch of lighting, and and that's pretty much it that really makes the game. Yeah. And, again, at this point, too, you know, who's who's looking at a still because at this point you know we we could look at that and go all right how much of that is you know publicist manipulation to catch like one great still out of you know uh, the rest of the game that may or may not look like crap yeah and we definitely are now because of i think of aliens colonial marines we are now like very um aware of any tricks because what they showed as the trailer compared to what the actual game came out to be, you know, we don't want to be <laughs> lied. We, exactly. We do. That's why I think when it comes to E3, um, when it comes to the trailers, 
a lot of people complain that they want to see gameplay because what they show in motion is not what we're actually going to get in the game. They, I feel like it's an idea of it because you can have a beautiful CG uh, trailer, but mm-hmm. if there's no game, actual gameplay put to it, you will be like, this game looks, doesn't look good. It's not set to the high quality that you showed us. Um, take like yeah. the, um, the order eighteen six eighty six. Um, it looks beautiful, uh, but when it go- when it gets into motion for certain things, it's just like like I feel like I've been lied to. You show me a trailer and you that's pretty much what you fed me. You didn't really feed me no gameplay until the game actually came out. If you did feed me some gameplay, it's through a magazine like Game Informer, and I have to take their word at it. You know, but I looked at the art. I looked at the art style. And I'm just like, yeah, the art style is beautiful. Art style is phenomenal. Um, but I don't need to see this art style in motion to make sure that it's believable that this is the, actually what I'm getting. Because I'm cautious if I'm being shown a CG trailer too many times. Yeah, at this point, I think the the only game, the only type of game where you know stills and concept art really matters or is relevant is you know when you pick up something uh old school ask like shovel knight for example yes. you know it, it it goes back to like the the days of the the atrocious fucking mega man box art where <laughs> you know okay we know what we're, we're we're actually seeing on the screen there and we know what's on the box and your brain is kind of superimposing one over the other you know, because that's what was on the box, and right. you, you're getting that concept of what the what the developer wanted you to see, as opposed to what they could actually put on the screen. And you know, I, I still think that's a really nifty concept. You know, to to let your imagination still be able to do a little bit of work, and you know, kind of fill in those blanks. And go, it's so simple, but at the same time, I can picture what they were conveying. Right. And and definitely, if if a game came out and it you were you not not moved but persuaded by what you read, it kind of looked looked at different things. You would just try it. You would just rent it, or you would just actually buy it. Like I didn't buy Mega Man One, but I played it at the friend's house. Uh, when Mega Man Two came out, I I had to have it because mm-hmm. I played it before and I, and. We got. I actually, I think EGM first came out. Uh, they had Mega Man 2's cover when he had the gun. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually had that magazine and uh, it got lost. I, I don't know what happened to it, but when I seen that cover and then I seen the box art, all I cared about was the end game itself. Uh, which is going to be our kind of our next question. Um, why is the gameplay important to players? The gameplay, when utilized correctly, is really the, the the finest means of telling your story and conveying how how that story translates into the unique medium that is video games. You know, no other medium allows you to really interact the way that you know with it that video games does. And you know, a a, a great game will take advantage of that, and you know, will will string the the gameplay mechanics to the the story and frankly I, I think one of the best examples of that that was ever done was braid 
in in how they they strung the story and the gameplay mechanics together. Um, yes. You know, with with things like the time manipulation and specific things like literally moving forward to move time forward, or you know, the ring to slow time because it's it's a symbol of binding together and commitment, and it's that that to me is one of the coolest fucking things and you you don't see a whole lot of games that do that but that aside you know gameplay is where it all where where everything comes together that's the the truly driving compelling thing that makes you know that makes you want to buy a game for me there's a lot of shit out there that you know most people pick up and i look at it and go eh, i don't care because it doesn't have anything really niche or unique to it that i haven't played before you know, for me to be compelled enough to buy a game, there's got to be a, a hook to it, either right. in the the amazing story or in the mechanics of the game. Um, you know, Fez to me was one where I loved the the mechanic, I the the aesthetic, the music, and the mechanic all came together to you know make something truly wonderful that I loved to play. Um, Eternal Darkness is another great example, yes. you know, where the, I, I hesitate to call it gameplay, but I don't know what the, what the fuck else to call it, but the insanity mechanic, for lack of a better term, you know, was a, a unique hook that other horror games didn't have or didn't do. Yes. I loved it. That was, that was a thing for me. I'm like, that's what drove me to buy this game was that hook. Yes, definitely with Eternal Darkness, uh, it it really made survival horror definitely in, in or a thriller, mystery thriller, whatever you want to call it. It really made made it feel uh, terrifying. Oh God, yes. Because like like unless you had to get in a you had when it comes to like Resident Evil or Silent Hill. You have to get into a certain mind frame of of being terrified. With Eternal Darkness, everything was up for grabs and unexpected. You you just wouldn't know what was going to happen when your uh, le- your insane level went down. Like it affected your camera angles, uh, the uh, the way that you play. Um, it still has the famous um, memory card erase thing as a, uh, a sanity effect, and it came on be like, no, we're just kidding. Like stuff like that, you know. Not only was it what did it was it scary enough to make you be like, whoa, what the world just happened, but it really freaked you out. It really made you be like, okay, I might have to put this game down because too much is happening. And I can where people would just be like, "Oh, I just don't want to go in that room." Well, it's a survival horror game; you got to go in the room. You're forced. Silicon Knights was one of the first great trolls out there. Yes, when you think about it, you know, just fucking with you know gamers in all the ways they knew that would push their buttons. Specifically, they knew their audience, and they knew what were the things that would really dick with them, like you know, a threat of erasing your memory card or you know, screwing with the volume on your TV and shit like that. <coughs> and that was brilliant. And yeah, and I never got a chance to finish Eternal Darkness, and I need to. Uh, I'm staring I at it on my shelf right now. <laughs> I have it too. Uh, oh, I just wish that game would come back. Um, and and definitely something like Resident Evil Four. I think Resident Evil Four was 
changed a lot of action games. You know, I won't say cover-based shooting. Um, that uh, and people would say, well, you know, Gears of War actually really started that. But like, well, no, not really. Resident Evil Four had the game plan, but I think. Uh, all Epic did was just put some barrels or some wood things and they had to play a game of camera that you just hide and then you could go in and shoot them. Like, like that's nothing new. People who play first-person shooters were doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I just think that Resident Evil 4, since the gameplay was so good about that, they just incorporated that. Um, that the over-the-shoulder thing for aiming and stuff. Um, which, I like, which I will say that Resident Evil 4 is a great game. Like, I think it's one of the best games out of the whole series of the Resident Evil things. But stuff like that is is very important. Um, It kind of got away from the scares, but, you know, it fixed all the complaints that we had, the tank controls, um, the inventory slots, and all, you know, Resident Evil 4 fixed all of that, and it just felt more of a evolution uh, uh, to the series itself. You know what? I, I I think people bitching about the tank controls thing is bullshit because frankly, you know, it resident evil got away from what resident evil was. Yes. Resident evil was survival horror. And then somewhere around four, they turned it into a fucking, you know, horror action shooter. And it, it literally changed genres and I think that's sad because it it's like really you you all loved Resident Evil but you bitched about all the things that made it a great survival horror game. It's right. slow, deliberate, methodical pacing and I love, you know, I wasn't much for Resident Evil as a series. I never got into it. It wasn't it, it didn't have that that hook to me. Yes. But case in point, one of the one of the games or one of the series that came along through the uh, the 360 and PS3 generation that did have that same hook and did extremely well, showing that survival horror is not dead and instead is still there. It just needs to be nurtured properly. Was Dead Space? Dead Space had slow, methodical tank style controls. Yes, you know there there was no running and gunning. It it was very slow, deliberate, and intentional. It was all about ammo starvation you know, and ammo conservation, and yes, there were some jump scares, but it was that tension, that build-up, the delivery, everything was fucking on par, and oh my god, if ever there was a reason to have surround sound for a video game, that shit was it. And I I need to play Dead Space 1 um, and 2. Oh, so um, good. I know, everybody says it's really good, and that's kind of what I liked about Dead Space, here, when I hear people talk about it, it's just like it's you alone on an empty spacecraft, not knowing what the world happened and how you got there. You know, it, it like well, this, you you knew how you got there, and you it didn't take real long to find out what happened. <laughs> At least not true. to get a clue. But I mean, but it it just it. it I guess well I I must miss I misquoted myself. I'm sorry everybody. Um just but just being alone on that spaceship fighting these monsters and trying to find out what the world is going on. Like it really, you know, to me hearing about that and hearing people's reactions just be like this is one of the must play survival games like uh that you need to get. Like it's good to hear that. You know, uh 
Um, and I think for some people, uh, definitely when it comes to like the Call of Duty, and we won't spend too much time on this, they really get upset when an update happens and stuff is like changed, like the weapon uh, damage has changed and stuff. Like people get upset about stuff like that, and I don't know why. Why stuff like that is very important to them. Because they they got into it from the get go, they they found a system that worked, and then the developer comes along and fucking yanks the rug out from underneath their feet. And frankly, I I would find that kind of infuriating myself. I mean, I I know that you know they've made some of those tweaks and adjustments, you know, with fighter games as well. God knows, yeah. Smash Brothers had how fucking many of them at this point? I think like five but, or six. Yeah, but again though, you know. This, a lot of the the fighting games these days are also getting roster updates as well, at which point there are some things that, you know, assuming the developer is doing uh, DLC in in an ethical manner, then those updates need to happen. You know, that's that's kind of a necessity when you're introducing a new character into a fighting game. You know, when you're dealing with an online multiplayer shooter, it's like, you all had the opportunity to play test the fuck out of this. If you didn't get it right, you know, when you set it out the door, don't sit there and penalize people that got in from the get go, found yes. something that worked and, you know, were having fucking fun with it. Don't dick with people's fun. You've already got their money. God's sakes, leave them alone. That is true. Which goes into our next question. Uh, can gameplay make or break the sale of a game? It, I think it, it really is important. Because um, it could make the sale of a game. Of the gameplay is is really nice. Like if you play the demo and everything is really good to go, and you get an idea, you're kind of like sold on the game. I I think that it can make or break, but it does not always. It depends on what what they're really selling the game on. Are they selling you on you know a, a certain gameplay mechanic? Or are they selling you on a different aspect of that experience? Are they selling you on the the, the compellingness of the story that they're trying to tell, mm-hmm. or are they selling you on you know look at the look at the visuals, look at the art? You know this is the reason to play it. You know there there are games where gameplay is more just a, a means to an end rather than the driving factor. Um, you know, take something like flow, you know, there, there's not much there for gameplay, but again, you know, that was never really the driving factor to buy the stupid thing. Anyways, it was, you know, to be able to to look at something pretty that had some neat sounds and just shut your brain off for an hour or two, you know, gameplay didn't really figure into it. Def- I know, definitely for me, uh, Tokyo Mirage Session, Sharp F.E., um, I I was won over by the music and the art style. Like, I don't even know what the gameplay is, is about, but that kind of broke me. Uh, just hearing the music and just seeing the art style, and I was just like, there's an Atlas game that's beautiful that's coming to the Wii U, and I love this music. I don't know what the world they're talking about. I don't know what this gameplay is about, but I want it right now. And, like, I was kind of sold on the art style with that one. Like, the gameplay didn't sell me. It was the art style and the music that sold me with that. Yeah. 
Fantasy, and gameplay was something that sold me on a game like Locke's Quest. You know, the the art the art and the visuals weren't bad. You know, it just it wasn't anything truly driving. But the gameplay was really fucking neat. You know, it had a really cool mechanic. Here's a tower defense game where instead of just setting shit up and watching shit happen, you get to get in the thick of it and go do shit. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is active engagement with tower defense. I can get behind this. This compels me. You know, the gameplay was the driving factor there. The visuals were just a, a byproduct, essentially, you know. So it really depends on what the what the developer wants to be the, the driving crux of their experience. You know, is it the story? Is it the, the visuals? Which it really usually is with so many AAA games anymore. Yeah. Is that, look, oh my god, graphics. Like, I don't care. That means nothing to me if there's not a good reason to fucking play it. Yeah. You know? When I, uh, I brought uh dmc devil may cry in the midst of everybody complaining and not wanting the game and stuff and i t- and i got into the gameplay and the graphics are beautiful it's astounding what they did with that world i love their art direction and art style that gameplay is amazing and i was hooked i'm just like this is better than kind of the original series of the dmc franchise um <laughs> I was just like so wow. I had to configure some things, but I was truly wowed by the artwork of I mean not the artwork, the gameplay. Just how fast, how easy and simple it was to get into and how stylish it really is with not just with the art style, but very stylish in the action. I'm like, Oh my goodness And y'all complaining about a character model and how he looks Really? Over this great gameplay? I, I I gave it high marks. Like I think I gave it like a nine point f- a nine or nine point five, telling people like this is an A. This is kind of an A minus. Like this is oh, yeah. a really good game. Well and, and in an action game like that, you know, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's it's really it's the, the choreography of the action. Yeah. You know, that really speaks volumes a lot of times. You know, that, that counts for a fucking lot. When you're when you're dealing with an action game like that, that shit matters. Yeah, because like Bayonetta two, the demo so probably sold millions of people. Like uh, uh, we had our discussion on NBC uh, book club, and I was just like, I still got about twenty tries still for the demo. And when I every time before the game even came out, I would come home, throw on that demo, and literally. We replay it so many times because the gameplay was so good. Like, my dodging, I would time that just perfectly. Um, I wasn't caring about the uh, ranking that I was getting. I was just so engaged with the with the fighting and just, just doing all these combos and learning what am I allowed to do and what do I need to learn to better myself. Oh, yeah. You know, there, there are games like that where... You know that's that's really the crux of the game is that that choreography that style because when it when it strings together beautifully you feel like a badass you feel yes. like you actually did that shit yeah. you know and that, there's that's that's a really cool trick for any developer to be able to pull off to really draw you into uh, into the experience that way to give you that sense of badassery 
and I think that's what th- I think for me personally, I think that's kind of what also made uh, other M, like mm-hmm. techno putting in their action uh, ideas and design into that game. Like that dodging, I love when it slow downs and dodges and you just putting the gun through an enemy's mouth and blasting them and just that flow in those little arena time moments just are amazing to me. And I think a lot of people, the story, it has its problems. That's fine. But I'm just like, the story is a problem. It doesn't have problems. It is a problem. (laughs) If you removed the story from that game, you would have a great game. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's why I said we'll discuss that later. <laughs> uh, because I made that when Other M came out that year, it was my game of the year. I I won. That was the first match, first and only Metroid game that I hundred percented on the first try. Really? Yes, I have I'm never. Surprised. Yeah, I have never hundred percent of Metroid game ever. I would have thought at least corruption would have because corruption was one of the easiest ones to do that with because they fucking told you where everything was pretty much um i I think i was so engaged it's just i want to play the game i I probably need to go back to corruption probably when i do uh my fourth uh playthrough (laughs) i'll try to 100 percent. that's never been my goal with the metro games is 100 percent. i've that's never been my goal i don't know why I'm weird that way. Get, get to the planetarium where you can launch those satellites. You launch all the satellites. It'll tell you where all the fucking items are. You can 100% it easy as pie that way. Oh, okay. My He's my Metroid master. <laughs> Tony is my Earthbound master, and you're my Metroid master. Uh, but uh, can both uh, can both complement each other to bring out the quality of the game? So can gameplay and graphics work together uh, to bring yes, out a Okami. better quality? Okami, right there. Yes. That's the case of the the gameplay mechanic played into the aesthetic, and the aesthetic played into the gameplay mechanic, and they fed each other perfectly. That's your example right there. Stand stand innovation right there. That's the answer to the whole question. That's it. (laughs) All you had to say was Okami. That's all you have to say, because that it gels so well. And everything it does in in this execution in the art style and in the gameplay like how how they were able to get zelda um and a really great art style something new and something fresh and make them work together man oh okami out zelda zelda at the time well, that that was a better Zelda game than we were getting out of Zelda at the time. Well, it was Kamiya, so and he does love the Zelda franchise, so that uh, or Nintendo game. So yeah, I can see that. I can see that the HD version looks beautiful still. It, like mm-hmm. any, if you get a chance to play, I play the original Kami on PS2 or the HD or Wii version. It's such a recommendation. I like. Oh, yeah. I recommend it full heartedly. Um. Yes, you answered the question, Larry. So we're gonna move on because <laughs> I can't. I can't add no more. You just said. <laughs> you said Okami, and that was it. Um, in a review, um, if either receive a negative point, some users make a big stink about it. Why is that? Like, why do people complain that if the graphic looks poor in a franchise that they love, um, they tell like, well, you don't know anything about the franchise. You just a wannabe video gamer or something like that. Or um, 
Tomb Raider or something, be like, it's about the exp- exploration, and you didn't really explore. You just focus on uh, the graphics and stuff like that. Like people get on like little nitpick stuff when a reviewer is just being critical and be like, you know, be aware of this that these get this game has problems and its graphic style and its art. St- I mean, and its gameplay style, and people overlook that. Why you? Why do you think stuff like that happens? First off, I think Tomb Raiders are an unfortunately bad example because that's a series that's been trying to really figure out its fucking identity for the last 10 years and it's not been having a whole lot of luck with being consistent with that kind of shit yeah you know that's that's tragic i for for what it's worth you know the the last big one that came out the actual you know just titled tomb raider on 360 i thought was really cool you know i'm not an old diehard tomb raider fan but I, I will speak to this much. I had fun with that. I thought it was fucking neat. Yes. You know, is it the, the quintessential Tomb Raider experience? Yeah, probably not by definition, but it was fun. Um, you know, so, I, I again, Tomb Raider, I think, is an unfortunate example. But, you know, it's... When it comes to a beloved series, you know, it's it's something that the, the dedicated fans of that series get real finicky about too you know there's there's sometimes a certain level of uh expectation from you know the last game to the the next one that you know is coming out especially you know time-wise that there should be a certain degree of improvement um you know in visual and aesthetic and uh you know there there are certain ways around that i think other m managed to pull that off and the fact that you know visually it was a more simple game but it was also you know differently striking in its own right because you changed art style you went from realism to comic book pop and you know that's that's real hard to compare and say it's not better but it's not worse either how do you how do you measure two different things you know against each other and and grade them but that's like you said I, i think that there's just a a certain level of expectation and you know when it's uh, a near and dear beloved series that you know you get more up in arms about it because you're you're emotionally invested in it you know it's something close to you and you want it to be amazing every time right and there are some people who are just cuckoo crazy that just take it to the extreme i I'll own it. Shut up. <laughs> but but just like you said, you know, if you have that passion because you invested in it, it means something to you, um, you will voice your opinion. Let's say. I, I like saying that in the correct way. Voice your opinion. You just want to be like, well, you don't know nothing. nothing, nothing. You should be fired. In. You don't do all of that. Uh, you know, you I, like I said, I respect everybody's opinions about games and stuff, and I love having this discussion with people about video games. And we, even when I read a review, I, I'm glad that they men- they do mention things so I can get a heads up because definitely it helps me at work when I have to sell this game. You know, just be like, just be aware that this is this and this is that. Um, this kid who's probably about about 14 years old was asking his mom that he wants he's he wants dark souls and i told his mom i'm just like now i want you to be aware just because it's m-rated doesn't mean that it's truly violent it is a hard game you really gonna have to stick with it and invest some time with it i i don't care mom i'm gonna buy it and the mom was just like okay 
he's I'm like, are you sure this is a game that you want? Uh, you like, do people really like this game? I'm like, if you put the time into it, you will, they would like it. But if it's, it's going to get too hard for them. And I think he's a person that, um, that's not going to like it. And I even asked them more questions like, what kind of games do you like? And everything he said was kind of like games that were easy. And Dark Souls was not part of his, uh, part of his library game that should be in his library but he wanted to try it so i got the game the mom brought the game uh i followed the correct procedures in case anybody was wondering and i've never heard i didn't get to hear from him but um another associate just like are you sure that 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 was the right decision for him i was just like he's going to have to learn i'm like he should have read the reviews he should have uh checked around and did some information but uh, he's going to put that disc in. It's going to install. He's going to play it, and he's going to hate the game because it's going to be too hard. It's not going to be his cup of tea. But um, I, actually, I actually had a kid come in with his dad trying to buy The Last of Us. And I was just like, oh, you are a poor child. You just don't know. You really just don't know. But like I said, if you want it, there you go. Not doing That's your a- research. That's okay. I'll I'll give you one of my my fun uh, stories from my days of video game retail. Um, I had this lady come in with some of her, I, I can only assume friends and or coworkers, and you know a, a little on the uptight and obnoxious side. She just kind of happened to rub me the wrong way that day, and uh, she came in to pick up a copy of Halo Three for her kid. And I spun it into a half-hour philosophical conversation about whether we have the moral right to kill other sentient beings. Just you know, and do they do they believe in the same God that we? I I put this poor lady's head in circles for a half hour, and made her look like an idiot in front of her friends. She was kind of a dick to me when she came in my door. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make you look like a stupid idiot in front of the rest of your friends. <laughs> Be nice to your salespeople, people. Yes, we are there to serve you correctly and help you. And that has been a retail review. <laughs> Coming next, <laughs> on, uh, uh, moving on. Uh, should we hold both of them to a higher standard? Do we overlook it? Do we overlook it and accept the game for what it is because of a fandom that for that series titles? And we pretty much just answered it. Um, I think we do. I think we have to both hold the art style and the gameplay to a higher standard. Um, I, I'm a big Nintendo fan, and I hold a lot of products up to a Nintendo standard. Now, people could be like, well, they don't have the seal of quality. But I'm just like, if a game feels very Nintendo and it plays very well, very well like tight controls art style is really good you try to do something different and it's like really involving like to get into i kind of hold it hold it up to that standard i'm i'm looking at uh, one game in particular that's coming out soon and i'm still trying to figure out what the fuck standard to hold it to at this point i'm looking at federation force coming out and i'm like i've Talk, talk about a bag of mixed feelings, you uh-huh. know. I, I'm sitting here going, okay, I get new Metroid at long last, sort of. You know, what what standard do I fucking hold this to? You know, clearly it's not a main line, you know, in in the series. So do I do I hold it to a, a certain standard comparatively that I would hold a, a main line, 
you know, title to, or do I just go, okay, this is a neat, quirky side experiment that they happen to put, you know, the, the Metroid name on, and therefore I can, I, I don't have to hold it, I, I shouldn't hold it to that same standard. Right. What do I do with this shit? I think the standard that you have to hold Federation Force uh, is actually the gameplay. I think the gameplay just has to be, if the gameplay is easy and it works well on the 3DS and it's very enjoyable, I think, you know, that standard you can hold it to. I mean, you can start thinking about it differently after that, but I'm just like, if the controls are right, if they really got the feeling of a prime game on a 3D on the 3DS, I think, and, and it really makes you happy and it can, makes you really want to play it, um, I think you can hold it to that standard. Now, I know you can't you can't overlook the fact that this is not a, a Metroid Prime game. This is not Metroid Prime Four. You're not getting the Metroid Prime that you wish would come. Honestly, I don't want Metroid Prime Four. I want fucking Metroid Dread at this point. That shit needs to happen already. <sighs> Bring me five. Did we get no? I don't. What was that? Fusion is chronologically the last one in the series. Is that Red, is Neil, that four or is that three? Yeah. Fusion is four. The Super was three. Oh, because that's right. Metroid Prime Two, um, uh, Metroid Two was on Game Boy. Okay, yep. I keep I keep forget. That's how bad I am. I keep forgetting about Metroid Two. <laughs> you heathen dick! That is the best one in the series. I have to play it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've never played Get it. Get your on. 3ds out. Go spend five bucks and play it. And call me when you're done. <laughs> that means I have to do that by next Sunday <laughs> or the next time we record. <laughs> Be like, um, did you play Metro Prime 2? Um, if it contained a link <laughs> in the characters from Final Fantasy 15 or some other game that I'm playing, then yeah. <laughs> does it, does, is Pikachu in it? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, I just heard that groan. <laughs> the Mitch means just to move on. <laughs> oh, just that groan. Long, nothing to see here. And for our last question, uh, when a game becomes a classic, do graphics or gameplay make it a classic? Does the is the graphic style make the game a classic, or is it the gameplay that makes it a classic, or is it both? Um, again, I think you're going to deal with the fact that it depends on what was really the, the driving memorable thing in that game. Yes. You know, was it the, was it a really neat gameplay hook like eternal darkness? Um, you know, or was it the, the story like, uh, fuck's sake, Bioshock, which, uh, uh. Re- remind me, I will tell you, I will tell you how they could have fucking fixed the ending of Bioshock. One simple fix would have made the ending of that game infinitely better. And it, as soon as I tell you, you're like, holy shit, how did nobody think of this? But, you know, or or is it the, the art style? You know, we, we find art the, the art style of old 8 and 16-bit games uh-huh. you know, fundamentally endearing. Some of that, I think, just has to do with the nostalgia factor that that's what we grew up with. You know, some of that is due to the fact that, you know, they, they will forever look great if they were done great the first time, yes. you know, um, you know, it's, it, it really just depends on what was the, what was the crux of the experience? What was the thing that drove it to you that drove you to it in the first place? You know, um, it's, it, it really depends, you know, and sometimes they, they all come together and they all, 
you know, just match up perfectly and will age together perfectly. You know, uh, we, so many people talk about, you know, fond memories and, you know, GoldenEye on the 64 being a classic, which frankly, I, I, I never thought was all that great then. And I sure as shit don't think it's all that great now, but you know, take any of those people and send them back to go play it again. You know, how many years later and they're like, fuck am I doing? This is awful because they spent the last, you know, 10 years playing fucking call of duty and halo. Yeah. And actually, you know, played a a first person shooter with a, a functional control setup and not the, the C button bullshit that you had to, finagle with goldeneye and then the other first person shooter on the on the 64 or the ps1 yeah i I know for me um it is it definitely has to be both um i i really can't choose why graphics would make it a classic and sometimes i can't choose why gameplay makes makes it a classic i kind of have to choose choose both like like wind waker is a classic to me um the legend of zelda uh uh Oh, not Wind Waker, Skyward Sword. I, I feel like that's the classic to me, um, due to its art style uh, being more expansive. Um, Okami, Okami, that's a that's a classic to me because it not only took the Japanese flavor that I I do love, but like the art, like we talked about earlier, the art style and the graphics just work. I mean, the art style and the gameplay just works wonderful. It blends so well. Like when I could go back to a game and feel happy that I'm playing it and really enjoying it, that 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 means something to me. That's when I start calling. Oh, this is a classic. This is a classic. Like the Mario games, I feel like when I play a Mario game, I'm instantly in love with it because it does something new, um, and the level design of it it works so well. But what I could do within the gameplay, it just makes it like just breathtaking. Like like I said, Super Mario 3D World is like. One became one of my all-time favorites. Like it's kind of like in my top ten. Um, Secret of Mana, that's the classic to me uh, because not only of the gameplay, but of the gra- but the music style, graphics, the character design, just like everything about that works so well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and when I think when that happens, and you just be like, man, this these games are just just like you said, Larry, like story. Um, the di- direction, just like whatever it means to you to make it a classic. I think the graphics and the gameplay really helps helps you make a decision about that, saying that, yeah, it, it is a classic because it works so well. I could go back to it, play it, and continually enjoy myself. Uh, definitely if you haven't played the game, that certain game, in years, and you go back and just be like, wow, this brings back memories of a kid as a kid or whatever... I was going through it in my life, and it just really means something to me. Uh, but that, oh, that's yeah. just me. Oh, yeah, and I, I think everybody has that game, too, that, you know, it, it may not have been a particularly great game, but it was tied to a certain event or something else going on in your life that, you know, it, it retains that nostalgia factor, even if the game was fucking god-awful. <laughs> so, the last question, and uh, this is going to be the final question, because people probably want a definitive an- answer. Um, which is it for you? And you have to choose just one. We can't. We can't say both. We have to choose one. Is it graphics or is it gameplay? It's the hook. It, it for me sometimes it's neither. It, it has to be a hook. 
But you, you have to you In have most to cases, that hook comes via gameplay. Okay, yay! In most cases, that hook <laughs> comes via gameplay. So, it, it's more likely to happen there than it is to happen in graphics. <laughs> now, I, I will grant you, there are some games that, you know, it, it is the art style, or the art direction that draws me in. Yes. But it's usually when there's something that unique in an art style or art direction, there's usually an underlying mechanic, you know, that, that supplements it as well that makes you go, oh, that's fucking neat. So I, I would say at the bottom of it, the hook usually comes in gameplay that gets me to buy something. And I agree with you. It's gameplay for me. I love art styles, but I think the gameplay lasts longer. Uh, than the art styles like because you can look at it sometimes you, you can look at a game at that time period and be like this is so amazing years may pass and the art style might not just be there and just be like Ugh, was i really playing this like your taste your taste and art style um changes um but that gameplay will always be there and just be like wow even though some of the controls and stuff have evolved it's still a great game to go back and play like when I even finished Resident Evil 4, um, I went back to the whole game because I was hooked on the gameplay. And now that I finally knew everything, I was just able to be like, I could run through this game now because this gameplay is so good. Mm-hmm. But, but that is our show. Um, no, and, no. I, I promised you. I, I told you. And that now goes for everybody that's listening, too. And I, I'm not going to disappoint. I told you. I Here's how you fucking fix the end of Bioshock. Okay, yes. Blow your fucking mind. Scene where Andrew Ryan has you and basically, you know, the the would you kindly reveal, that shouldn't have been a cinematic. Plain and simple. There was an easy way to fix that. They could have just simply pulled up a, a little, giving you two options, like, you know, press A to drop the golf club, press B to whack him with the golf club. But yeah. here's the kicker. No matter what you press, you're whacking him with the golf club. Make it an interactive model where you have no control, where control has been taken away from you. That would have driven the impact home so much better than the goddamn cinematic did, where you were literally given no control over anything that was happening. That would have fixed the end of that game. Yeah. Yeah. And Congratulations. I, Five second fix. I made Bioshock better. <laughs> and I can say um, I had my problems you with Bioshock. You pay me monies now. <laughs> I, I have my problem with Bioshock. Um, I wasn't wowed by it. Uh, I thought it was really? a, yeah. I thought it was a great game, but I really wasn't wild by it. I wasn't just like oh, everybody. It was one of those games that everybody was just so amazed and it talked so much about. And I just I played it and went through it, and I was just like, I don't think I'm doing all of these mechanics right. But I know that I'm not taking the DNA from the girls, so I did get the best ending out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think. Like it, something about it just didn't connect with me. I I really don't know why. And, and that's even with um, Bioshock Infinite, that it was just like it's a good game. Oh, that last level, that last fight is terrible. Oh, that was bullshit. Oh, that thing is so horrible. And I I need to go back and finish it. But I'm just like this doesn't feel right. Like this just feels completely unfair. Um, yeah, but, something. Yes. Did you play Bioshock Two. I haven't. I haven't started it yet. I need to though. Really? Yeah, I have okay. Bioshock Two, but I didn't start it yet. Here, here, I'm, I'm going to give you a neat point of comparison. Do you prefer Metroid Prime or Metroid Fusion better? Um, Prime. 
if you liked Prime better, you'll like the first Bioshock better. Bioshock 1 is Metroid Prime. Bioshock 2 is Metroid Fusion, almost to a T. Because uh, I know Bioshock 2 is supposed to take first uh, before Bioshock 1. Well, the the thing is, is it's it's a game. It, it's it's all in the game design. Yeah. Bioshock Two is Metroid Fusion almost drop for drop. Instead of being able to run around all of Rapture, you're in a section at a time, and as soon as you leave that section, it's closed off. You can't go back. It's it's guided navigation, and on top of that, you're being hunted the entire game through, just like Fusion. Bioshock 1, you're fully open. You can explore everything with no restriction, just like you could with Metroid Prime. Is, but is it easier than Fusion? Because I found when I first played Metroid Fusion, it, it was hard as heck. I had a difficult time. Like, I died a lot in Fusion. Um, but I enjoy Fusion. It, I love Fusion, though. Yeah. The, the difficulty scale between Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2 is comparable, honestly. It's it's not as radically different um, as it was from Super Diffusion. But I, I will say, do do play Bioshock 2 because the, the first two-thirds of that game are a bear when it comes to story. They literally drip-feed you just enough, mm-hmm. and I mean just enough to make you go, what's next, what's next? But holy shit, you get into the third act and everything just blows wide the fuck open. Especially when you finally get to see Rapture the way that the little sisters see it. Yeah. You see Rapture through their eyes and it's all kinds of fucked up by comparison. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get into it. Um, usually during the summer, um, I do uh, my, uh, not I, like my backlog breaking. Uh, backlog breakdown or something like that I gotta figure what the name is and every two weeks I will play a game uh, in my backlog and try to finish it so that's all throughout the whole summer um, okay. I didn't get to, get to succeed because there were some games just like after when I got off of work I just didn't want to play because I was so tired but I think because <laughs> of my schedule now I'll have more time to do it um, and what it is is that um now that I got like four systems, I choose a game per system. Um, because uh, one year, uh, when I first did it, I did four games for PS3. Um, but now that I got my Wii U, my PS4, my uh, PlayStation 3, and Xbox One, um, any game that I didn't finish or start on, I'm going to dedicate two weeks. So it's June, um, it's June and July, and I sometimes do it in. I was going to do it in August. Uh, but depending on what comes what comes out this year and what's released, mostly June, July is where I where I started. Uh, even through E three, um, I'm playing just uh, certain games, and I kind of like post a uh, list of what I'm playing. And then when I get done, I keep ta- I'll, I'll talk about what I got f- uh, far in. Ooh, cause Killzone! Oh my goodness, Killzone three! I did that, and I started on a Friday, and I finished it on a Sunday morning. Well, and that's that's the other thing too is that some games won't take you near as long to get through as others. So you know, take take advantage of the short games and you know, blast through them. But yeah, I, I just gotta make. I just need to finish. Uh, I need to finish Uncharted three before Uncharted four comes out. <laughs> that's a different story though. But um, anything you want to plug? Uh, um, before we go. No. Yes. Uh, 
we, we've been having way too much fun with Mitomo. Um, <laughs> you, you all need to get on fucking Mitomo. <laughs> it's kind of like playing cards against humanity with yourself. Yeah. You put in a horrible answer to a perfectly innocent question, and the little snippets that they'll add on to the end of your answer somehow make them even better. So, yes, get your asses on Mitomo and come play with us and, you know, see the horrible, offensive things that I write. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you can hear uh this show on soundcloud and on itunes um you can email the show because we want to hear what you guys think about graphics and and gameplay or if you even play axiom verge let us know what you think um you can email the show at world one one podcast at gmail.com that's w-o-r-l-d the number is one one p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com um you can follow me on twitter at that retrocode t-h-a-t-r-e-t-r-o-c-o-d-e um i do have a show another show called optional opinion which you can also find on um on uh, soundcloud and the anomalous radio network.podbean.com um i just got done doing a week called truth versus justification where I talk about what is important to people. Is it finding the truth or justifying their actions to get a, a solution? Um, so you can read that on uh, IGN.com under anime, E-N-I-M-E, and you can check that podcast on Optional Opinion. Um, I am getting ready to do um, uh, my feature for April called, Well, It Ain't Mario, where I talk about B-side platform games. Um, should be very interesting writing and recording that one. That one is going to be interesting. I better hear an hour-long show about Bubsy then, damn it. Oh, my goodness. Can I tell you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Before we go, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, before we go, uh, I beat Bubsy on the Super Nintendo in one city, and it wasn't my First game. I, I beat Bubsy the first game. I beat it all the way through. Put in the cartridge and ask yourself what could possibly go wrong. Uh, it, it, but this is the crazy thing. And okay, we're going to leave. And <laughs> just after this, <laughs> I beat Bubsy, but I never beat Star Fox. And I tried my best playing all the way through Star Fox, and I kept getting killed. I love Star Fox though, or Super Nintendo. But um, Bubsy, I beat all the way through, and it wasn't even my game. It was awful, but I think it it kind of it was very comedic to me as a, as a young player. Like the music was good, the the jumping was crazy, um, but you know, and the challenge was weird. But I enjoyed my game. I don't think it's too bad. But yes, I will talk about Bubsy. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me. Um, uh, so just, you'll be able to check that later on in um, in April. Uh, the NVC Video Game Book Club. Uh, it's also a group that I'm part of, me and Larry are part of. We just got done recording Pokemon. So you can check that out on YouTube at MVC Video Game Book Club. Um, this month we're playing Ducky Kong Country. So come join us on Facebook and uh, hopefully you guys will uh, join in the uh, conversation. Um, I'm going to be starting Ducky Kong Country soon. 
if not, if I don't get to it uh, this month, I won't be on the podcast. But I will do my best to play it this month because that game is kind of hard. And I did play that on the Super Nintendo. This is, there's so many games I played on the Super Nintendo that everybody now just play. You'd be like, I remember as a kid that I played this game and I beat it in three days. What? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but thank you guys. Um, hopefully Adrian will be back to join us for our next episode. But, um, with that, um, we are out. Uh, everybody have a good week, have a good weekend and we shall see you soon. Bye. Peace.